Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Sabrina. Hi, I'm Sabrina. I'm a compulsive overeater, bulimic, and hundred pounder. David, I don't know where. Thank you for asking me um, to speak, and welcome to all the newcomers. I'm blown away by how many of you are here, and. Um, it takes a lot of courage to walk into a meeting, and I'm really happy you're here, that you're the reason that I'm here tonight. Um, and I'm passing around some pictures. Uh, I have two years and nine months of um, back-to-back abstinence. I abstain from uh, recreational sugar and uh, flour, and then I have a long list of alcoholic foods that I don't eat that continues to grow as I abstain. Um, and uh, the pictures definitely give good example of what it was like before I came into these rooms, um, which is really awful, if I'm, you know, being honest, which is my job here. You know, coming to this meeting, I know it's a big meeting and the podcast, and I, I, I can have, like, a whole orchestra in my head, a story. Uh, and I was thinking, like, you know, because I'm an addict, I have such an ego, so it's like, well, what profound, prolific thing am I going to say tonight that's going to touch all of these people? And then my higher power laughs at me and, um, you know, just reminds me that, like, that's, that is so not my job. Like, my job here is just to um, be a person that you can identify with. Like, I'm exactly like all of you. I sit in your seats, and and that's um, my job. And it's always so humbling to come here. You know, I'm I'm a person that could not stop eating, and I could not stop throwing up, and I could not obsess it, stop obsessing constantly about food and my body, and the world. And um, I came into these rooms with a food problem, and I learned that I had a life problem, and. Um, you know, I don't have a, a memory of life without food, like, being the focal point of my entire life. From early, early childhood, food, weight, um, all of those things were really prevalent in, in my household. I have a, a wonderful, loving set of parents. I didn't have a lot of trauma, and um, and that's okay. Like, I, I still get to qualify and, and be a compulsive overeater. I, I always say, like, I was born this way. Um, and in some ways today I'm, I'm grateful because I have such a beautiful life as a result of the 12 steps. Um, but I was born this way and, you know, my mom is, is, um, is disordered in her food and was a bulimic. And so growing up, I, I saw that as an example of what it was supposed to be like, um, which was, you know, obsessing over body, obsessing over food. And I, and I really, really early on, I remember like age three or four, like looking down at my thighs and thinking like in my car seat, like, oh, are my thighs too big? You know, I just, that was the message that I was getting. And so I just sort of embraced it. Um, and you know, I think about if I were a mother and sick, 
like I would be doing the same thing. So, you know, um, my mom, I, I don't fault her for, for that. Um, and I went on my first diet. I was put on my first diet at nine. And to be honest, I don't think I was an overweight child, but, you know, through the eyes of a disordered person, I probably was. Um, and I was put on my first diet at nine and bribed. And I remember, like, looking at the weight chart and, like, you know, it being, like, you know, pushed into my brain, like, this is what you have to be, this is what you have to look like, or this is where, you're, where you have to get, and not being good enough. Like, I wasn't good enough because I didn't fit into this chart, you know, that was made up by by someone. Um, and once I got old enough, uh, you know, I just really started to rebel against my house, against my parents. I... I was always interested in, like, seeking food. So I'd be with friends. We'd go to the mall. Our parents would say, okay, you can go and have, like, 45 minutes by yourself. All my friends wanted to go to the toy store. I was like, where's the food court? Like, hit me up with the food court. That's what I wanted. I did not care about toys. I didn't care about shopping. Like, I wanted, you know, I wanted to go eat. Um, and I didn't, I didn't grow up in a house with junk food. Like, my mom restricted us from a lot of stuff. And so any chance I could get out of the house to eat, it was on. And um, and that was from a very, very young age. Um, and so as I got older and I ate and ate and ate, I certainly um, started to gain weight. And um, I, I dieted, you know. I, I, I was always on a diet. And P.S., not a dieter that ever was successful. Like, I was always overweight, always fat, but on a diet, always. And... Um, in high school was the only time I think I remember having, like, successful weight loss because my mom took me to um, someone, this place in, like, a strip mall, and I got drugs. They gave me drugs, and they shot me up with stuff, and I lost, you know, maybe 30 pounds. And um, and that was kind of the only time short of this program where I had any uh, weight loss that was successful. Um, and then I stopped taking the drugs and I gained all the weight back. And, you know, part of that, too, for me was, like, attention. I started to get attention from boys and my friends were like, well, what's happening? We don't like this. And I was like, yeah, I don't like this either. And so I just started eating because I couldn't cope. Like, I couldn't cope with my life, so I started eating. And then I went away to college, um, out of state, away from my mom, away from my parents, and it was like... Oh, like the first, I have the memory, like, so distinctly of walking into the supermarket for the first time by myself with my own credit card that was, like, adjacent to my parents' bank account. And I was like, oh, my God. I was so excited. Like, that's what I wanted to do. I was like, I get to buy whatever I want. I get to eat whatever I want to eat. And I did that for four years. Like, I ate so much food in college. I did a lot of um smoking of the marijuana, and that <laughs> makes you want to eat, too, and um, and I just, in conjunction, those two things together, it was like, that's how I, how I you know, got through life, um, and, and pretty much from the age of 18 until I came into these rooms, I'm now 37, but I came in at 34, I was never under um, 200 pounds. Like, ever again. After 18, like, I never got under 200 pounds. And as I said, I was always dieting, always. I would come home for the summer, and my mom would be like, oh, what did you do to yourself? Like, go to Weight Watchers. And I would go to Weight Watchers, and I would, you know, do Weight Watchers, but my mom would have, like, some Jenny Craig food in the house. So I'd eat the Jenny Craig food, and then, like, on Saturday, I'm going to be paleo, and then Sunday, from, like, 8 in the morning until 12, I'm going to be vegan, 
And that, like, that was just, you know, the insanity of my life, um, always. And so, you know, I, I tried every possible way to manage my weight so unsuccessfully. And I was always putting my own twist on, on things. Um, and then, uh, after college, I, I came back to Los Angeles and I just continued to gain weight. And in 2007, I had weight loss surgery because, like, that's obviously going to be the solution. Um, I need to have surgery to, to stop me, to physically stop me. Um, and I had a lap band surgery in 2007. At that time, I was 250 pounds. And I think I got down to maybe 220 um, after that surgery. But I couldn't eat anything. Like, my hair was falling out. My nails were falling off. Like, I was so unhealthy. Um, and then I discovered purging. It was very, very easy to purge um, with the lap band. And um, I started purging. And then at the time I was with somebody, I was in a relationship with someone who was an active drug addict and alcoholic, and he was like, you should go to Overeaters Anonymous. And I was like, okay. That's a great idea. Um, and I should say, I grew up in a house with an alcoholic and drug addict brother. My mom was in Al-Anon and was always, like, hinting Overeaters Anonymous, and I was like, I am not doing that. No way. And then my boyfriend, who was using heroin, was like, you should, you have a problem. <laughs> you should go to this program. And I was like, okay. So I came to Overeaters Anonymous in, uh, in 2008, and I just did not – I didn't get it. Like, I didn't get it at all. And I didn't want to get it. I wasn't ready to get it. Um, and I would only go to uh, bulimic-focused meetings. I was 250 pounds, but I would not identify as a compulsive overeater at all. Uh, I only would go to the bulimic-focused meetings – and um, I just didn't get it. Like, I, I just, I wasn't ready. Like, I, I, I had more eating to do. And there was nothing that anybody was going to say to me. There wasn't a message I was going to hear, like, because I was just, I was closed. So um, I left, and I knew that if I didn't stop throwing up, I was going to die. Um, I was going to die because it was so dangerous with this band in my body um, and it was also just dangerous to be purging, you know, at that time, like, ten times a day. Um, and I, you know, I threw up in my car a lot. I threw up in water bottles and bags. Um, I, I just, I, I had, I had no life. And so I knew that if I didn't stop throwing up, I was going to die. So I was like, well, I'm going to go into treatment. So I found a treatment program, but I, like, searched for one that was not 12-step based because I was like, I don't want that. That's not going to help me. I'm not doing that. So I found a program that was not 12-step based. I went into it. Um, I was there for 10 weeks, and I came out, and I had stopped throwing up, um, but I didn't stop eating. So I just kept eating. I kept eating, and I think I abstained from purging for maybe a year, and then I started um, purging again. And then, um, you know, it's a miracle. I, I just think about, like, where my life was. And that was that at the time I was in graduate school, like, I have no idea how I graduated with a degree, a master's degree. And, like, I'm actually today really good at what I do, but I have no idea, you know, how that happened. Um, because I was so, so sick and I was so in the food. It was, like, all 
I could think about it was all that I wanted. Um, and uh, so I graduated from graduate school, is what I was saying. I lost my train of thought. Um, so anyway, so I had I had um, lap band surgery, went into treatment. I came out of treatment, and then I um, I I couldn't stop. So I ended up back in Overeaters Anonymous in 2014 um, from an amends from that ex boyfriend that was a heroin addict who ended up getting sober and he called to make amends to me and we met um and he was so drastically different like this person in front of me was so drastically different and I was like what is this and he you know talked about the spiritual malady and he said you know you have a spiritual malady and I was like I don't I don't know what that is. I don't have that. Whatever it is, I don't have it. I have a food problem. Like, that's my problem. And so he said, maybe you should, you know, go to Overeaters Anonymous. And, you know, at the time, I was like, absolutely not. I'm not going back there. Like, that's a crazy place. I'm not doing it. Um, but he, whatever he said, and this person sitting in front, in front of me who now I can identify, like, a spiritual awakening, a spiritual change, um, so I, I went to a meeting, and I just kept going to meetings, and that was in 2014, I think July of 2014. Um, I started going to meetings, and I heard, I heard something. I don't even know what it is that I heard that kept me going, um, but I was so miserable. So, you know, I always like to share Aside from, like, being 280 pounds, which is what I was. So, like, I had weight loss surgery in 2007. I was 250 pounds. I still had the band inside of my body, and I got up to 280 pounds. So, like, I'm very clear, not a solution, right? Like, that's not a solution. <laughs> not for me. Um, so, I, you know, I, I don't know what the message was, but I felt so horrible about myself. I, I had a job, but I was, like, barely keeping it together. I could barely get up in the morning and go to work. I couldn't shower. I couldn't open my mail. I was in, like, massive, massive debt. My, you know, credit score was, like, really, you know, horrible. Um, and I, I had no relationships. Like, I had my family and I had friends, but I didn't really have, like, meaningful relationships because my whole life and my whole day was, like, about my food, getting my food, eating my food, purging my food, you know, or restricting and obsessing about it, um, obsessing about my body, over-exercising, whatever it was that particular day and moment. Um, that's all it was about for me. So I, I was so miserable that I thought, I'm going to go to Overeaters Anonymous and maybe I'm going to learn to just, like, accept myself as a fat person, and learn to love and accept my body. And um, that is not what happened to me, and I'm, I'm grateful. Like, I'm really grateful that that's not the experience. I came in, and I started to hear people with, like, long-term abstinence and long-term, you know, enormous numbers of weight loss. And I was like, oh, my God. And they shared, like, I've never been able to do this before. Like, this is the first time in my life I've lost it. I started to identify with all these people, and they're like, I'm just like you, I'm just like you, and I'm like, mm, you know, I'm special, because in my mind, I'm special, like, I'm a, I'm a unique little snowflake, and, um, and nobody has it as bad as me, 
or like, and because I'm the worst, I'm better, or I'm the worst. Like I, I, you know, that's the the power of my mind. Um, but I, I, I listened to what you guys said, which was like, get a sponsor. I was like, okay, so I got a sponsor, and I started working the steps, and I got through the first step with um, the very first sponsor that I had, and I'm I'm very grateful for her, like. Today, I can say that, like, almost three years in, I can say I'm grateful for her. Like, when I ended things with her, I thought, like, she was the root of my problems. Um, but you know what? She had spirituality in a way that I did not have. Like, I had no spirituality. I had Sabrina, center of the universe, and everything, like, revolving around me. I had no concept of a power greater than myself. I didn't even want to have that concept. And somebody was put in front of my face who had spirituality in a way that, like, scared me. Like, it was, like, overwhelming. And um, so I, I gave away a first step with her. And then I eventually found another sponsor, and she's a sponsor that I, that I currently have. And, and at the time that I, that I started my abstinence, it was no purging. Like, no binging, no purging. That was, the, that was the best I could do. Like, if someone had said to me, like, also give up recreational sugar and flour and make a list of alcoholic foods, I would have been like, peace out. Like, no, there was no way I was going to do it. No way. So I'm grateful. I didn't, that didn't happen to me because I'm here today and I, you know, I like to think that that's part of the reason why. Um, so I started working with a new sponsor and she gently um, guided me to see, like, alcoholic foods, you know, like food in the same way that alcoholics look at alcohol. And it was like, oh, well, that's interesting. And she did that as she guided me through the steps as they're outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's how I work the steps today. How I've gone through the steps is how I take my sponsees through the steps. Um, And I learned in that book that I have a phenomenon, this phenomenon of craving that happens in my body and my mind when I eat certain foods or I partake in certain food behaviors. And um, and, that, and that phenomenon of craving is that once I take that bite or I take that action, I cannot stop, no matter what. Like, I cannot stop. And it was like, oh, my gosh, yes. Like, I, there is no human power that's going to stop me. There is no doctor that's going to tell me you're going to get this that's going to stop me. I could not stop, no matter what. And that the book says the answer, the solution to that is entire abstinence. Not like partial, a little bit abstinence, but entire abstinence from those things. And that's really scary. Um, it was for me in the beginning. It was a really scary thought, like how I live without these things. Um, I also learned in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous that I have this spiritual malady. And that spiritual malady is deep, deep self-centeredness. I'm like, that's my problem. I'm deeply self-centered. I have self-centered thoughts. I have self-centered fear. And they manifest in different ways in my life. And then the book tells me, like, here's the solution to those problems. Uh, A higher power. That's your elixir to your problem is a higher power. I'm like, no, that cannot be the solution. But in my experience, that has been the solution. And, and being of service to others, getting out of myself, that is the solution to this um, life problem. So I have a coping problem 
food has always been my solution or behaviors around food has always been my solution. And um, it really wasn't working for me. Like, that was not a, a very good solution. But I have such a sick mind that my mind tells me every time I do it, like, oh, this is not the solution. But yet I wake up and I go back to the same bad solution every single time. That, that is the, the power of my mind. And that, I think, is what makes me um, different than other people with food. So, um, you know, I, I started working the steps and my life started to change. I was able and willing to put certain foods on my abstinence. I was willing to um, really look at the principles of the program. So my sponsor took me, we started over in the steps, we started at step one, and she said, you know, the first step, uh, step one's uh, principle is honesty. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, to- I'm totally honest. That's fine. Let's, what's next? Like, I'm good. <laughs> well, that's really not true. Like, I was a massive, massive liar. And I was not just a liar, like, you know, tell you something that's not true. I behaved in a really dishonest way. Um, I had, you know, relationships with married people, and um, I, I just, you know, I didn't see or believe that, that my behavior could negatively, and I didn't care. I didn't care that my behavior was negatively impacting someone else. I would take things that were not mine, and, you know, all, all of those behaviors started to sort of change for me in time. Um, and I started to really look at my, my life, like not just the food, but it started with the food. And so when I first came in, like I said, I had a food problem. It was about the food. And then once I put the food down and I was able to sort of get away from the plate, I could really see that I had all these things happening in my life and I had a life problem. I had a coping problem. So, um, you know, today my life is so, so different and it, it is truly all from working the steps in this program. Like, that's it. I, I want there to be some other solution because that, I still have a sick mind. Like, my mind, I'm not cured. The book tells me that. Like, I'm never going to be cured. I still have a sick mind. I want there to be some other solution. But there's not. The solution for me today is is in the steps. Um, and that's for, like, any part of my life. Like, any, any part of my life. So today, what my life looks like is very, very different. Um you know, I'm honest no matter what, as long as it doesn't, you know, injure, hurt other people. Um, and I really, really take the principles of the program, the traditions, really, really seriously. Um, and sometimes, like, maybe too seriously. Like, I have an ego about the principles of this program, like, on a high horse, right? So, like, that's a humbling um, thing, too, to have to say. Like, I, I sometimes can be in a meeting and I'm like, you don't follow the this, or you don't follow the that, and, you know, that's my ego, like, okay, well, so what, how is that negatively impacting you, and sometimes, like, it is for the betterment of the group, and I get to speak up and speak on the behalf of the group, but um, I really get to see my ego show up in so many parts of my life, Um, so I, I talked about how I couldn't shower, so, like, today I showered, and I shaved my legs. <laughs> pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Um, and um, 
you know, I do that. I do that on a regular basis. Like, I shower every day now. But, like, that was really, really hard for me in the beginning. I had, like, no ability to take care of myself. And I didn't feel any worse to take care of myself. Like, why? Why should I shower? Um, I open my mail. Like, I open my mail, like, sometimes even before I get all the way back into the house. Like, I'm opening my mail. Um, I am out of debt with the exception of my student loans, which is a total miracle. Um, my my credit score is, like, on the verge of being, like, a normal, healthy person, which is incredible. Um, and um, I have, like, the most beautiful relationships today with people, with my family, with friends. Um, and somebody married me. <laughs> somebody married me. It's a miracle. And, um, and you know... My life with with him is um, is all this this program is the foundation of our whole life. He is also in recovery, and you know I joke with my sponsor like he's like my secondary sponsor. You know if I can't get her, I'm like Ugh, you know, and he'll be like, okay, go do this writing, or you know we do that for each other, and I'm really really grateful because when when my mind gets really loud and tells me like find a way out, like get out, program's bad, you don't need it, drop your sponsor run for your life, whatever it is. Like, I have those thoughts all the time. I I have no way out. Like, I have a herd of people, some in my home, some in the rooms, like, that are like, this is where you're at. And, like, you've got to walk through this. So I am, I would say, like, I am, I have typically, or my life has been, like, a person deeply, deeply in fear, afraid, right? Like, I was thinking as I was getting up here, like, oh, my God, I'm going to pass out. I'm so I'm so nervous to get up here and pass out. And then I'm like, okay, well, what's the worst that can happen? You tumble over, and there's an amazing room of people that will all come to help you if you tumble over. <laughs> Fine. Not not so bad. Um, and, um, and I've learned to walk through fear. So, like, this program has not made my life perfect in that, like, everything all the time feels amazing. But I have learned how to walk through life, like, really challenging, scary things in life. And sometimes, like, the good things are feel like they're terrifying and scary. Like, I could give you a list of, like, ten things right now that are upcoming in my life that I am terrified of. And I know that I'm going to get through them because I have a deep, deep faith and a power greater than myself um, which is really, like, the center stone of everything for me as a person who had no faith. You know, I was raised Jewish, but I just didn't have any any um, any faith. Like, today, I have deep faith, and the fear gets me deeper into the faith. Like, I'm afraid of something, and i got to dig deeper, and i got to dig deeper. And, um, and that's, you know such a miracle. I'm so, so grateful um, to be in these rooms a day at a time, like refraining from compulsive overeating as a person who could not stop eating and could not stop throwing up. I'm just just like you. And um, if you're new or if you're struggling, like just keep coming back and, you know, listen and take the direction. Like I think that's the thing that that I really have done. I take direction even if I don't want to, even if I think it's the worst idea in the world because if I am steering the boat, like, I'm the Titanic, I'm going to hit an iceberg, and I'm going to sink. Even though I'm like, no, it's clear, as clear as day, I'm going to sink. If someone else is helping me steer the ship, my higher power, my fellows, my sponsor, my husband, all those things, like, I can't lose. It's, 
amazing. Thanks so much. Yes, thank you. The question was, can I talk about um, my food and my the lap band and how it's changed? So that's my sponsor, and she obviously was helping me see that I left a really important part of my story out, which is that um, a year ago, oh no, not not I, last August, I had my lap band removed. Um, and yes, it is like, um, and it's a total miracle. You know, I didn't lose the weight in this. Uh, program with the use of the lap bands at all. Um, I, I, I lost over 100 pounds by abstaining from foods, but I also have a food plan. And that's really, really important for me because I believe that I could abstain from sugar and flour and this long list of alcoholic foods and still be 250 pounds or 280 pounds when I came in. Like, I believe that wholeheartedly. So I have a food plan that supports my abstinence and, and helps me walk towards a healthy body weight. Um, that food plan is that I weigh and measure my food when I'm home, and I have, like, sort of an exchange system. Like, in a meal, I know I need, you know, a protein and a vegetable and a fat and a this. And, um, you know, I eat, to me, like, in my mind, like, I eat like a normal person eats. Um, and and um, that food plan really, really supports my abstinence and um, and helps me walk towards a healthy body weight. So the question is um, how my relationship, to talk about my relationship with my mother and how being in recovery has changed that. Um, it drastically changed my relationship with my mother, and that is because I now, um, I was so enmeshed with my parents. Like, I couldn't even, I remember when I started the step work, I couldn't even, like, say to my sponsor that there was, like, that my parents had defects. It was like, no, I can't do that. And now I can clearly see them, and I, um, I've, you know, taken myself, I've unenmeshed, I don't know what the word is. Uh, you'll tell me later, but <laughs> I've, I've uh, you know, taken, I've unenmeshed myself with, from my parents, um, and, and you know, in terms of my mom's food, like, she, my mom hasn't purged, I don't think or know, it, since I was a little kid, but she's still very disordered with her food and um, with her body and obsession, and it's none of my business, you know. Um, I pray for her. That's what I do. I pray for my mom. And I, I have a, a very, you know, close relationship with her. Um, I've, I have to do a lot of step work. You know, things constantly come up. Like, I wish I could say, oh, I did my fourth step and I'm done. Like, well, I've done many, many fourth steps, and I have to do inventories all the time um, when things come up. And, and I have people in my life to go, that reaction it doesn't look, something's going on, like something's not right. So I get to have that in my life, to have people help me see, like, I maybe have to do some work in some certain areas. Um, but, yeah, I have a close relationship with her today, and and she's the same. And I get to detach with love and um, and and pray for her. Yeah. Um, when you say alcoholic food, what does that mean, like food that, like, so I, I the question is what are alcoholic foods? So um, 
you know, for me, I look at my food sobriety in the same way that um, I think an alcoholic looks at alcohol. So when I say alcoholic foods, those are foods that I cannot um, take just one bite of. Those are foods that trigger that phenomenon of craving inside of me. Um, and they don't necessarily fall into the flour and sugar category. So like kale chips for instance, um, you know, when you're, like, binging on Cool Ranch Doritos, you care nothing about kale chips, but when you start to put things down, other things start to pop up. So, um, you know, those things have grown, the list has grown for me um, in abstinence as I have sobriety with my food and I feel what it feels like to be sober, which was so scary and not what I wanted in the beginning, but now it feels better to be sober than to not be sober with my food. Does that answer the question? Yeah. Thanks so much. What's your spiritual practice like? Uh, the question is, what is my spiritual practice like? So um, I open my eyes in the morning, and I say the first three steps to myself. But just, like, without question, um, uh, the first three steps and powers over food. And sometimes I have to say it over and over and over and over again to hear it. Um, I read from the daily readers, or my husband reads them to me um, while I lay in bed <laughs> um, sometimes. Um, and, you know, when I when I first started in program, I think my spiritual practice like, okay, now it's time to pray. Like, now it's time to do this. Now it's time to meditate. And now it feels a lot more fluid. Like, I can pray and meditate anytime, anywhere. Like, I was doing it a heck of a lot before I got up here. Like, just help me. Like, help me. Um, and, you know, I've learned also, uh, because the big book talks about, you know, not praying for our own selfish ends, I've learned how to, like, pray in a more general way. Like, just help guide me. Help guide me so that I can be of service. Help me see your will for me. Um and, you know, I, I bring God into all parts of my life because everything in my life is scary. Like, I could tell you how I'm terrified at work. I could tell you how I'm terrified at home. I mean, everything is scary to me. So I, I rely on, on a power um, greater than me. And, you know, I can't identify it. Like, I can't tell you. I can't explain it to you, um, which I know in the beginning for me was hard. But I just started to act as if. So I just started to pray. I didn't believe, but I started to pray. And as I started to pray, I came to believe. Like, I, I eventually started to believe as I prayed. And then, you know, the big book says, like, God is everything or God is nothing. And I have a choice. Like, I, that's where I get to exercise my will. What's my choice going to be? And I choose to believe today that God is everything. So I'm hot. My mouth is cottony right now. I'm super nervous. Like, I want to bolt back to that chair. That's God. Like, God's here. I'm good. I'm okay. Right? Like, God is everything. For whatever reason, like, this feeling is manifesting in my body. I'm going to be okay. Got to dig deep. I think we're good. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're good. Thank you guys. Anybody have any other questions? Okay. I didn't see the thing.